0: Welcome to the Sooner's Extra Podcast, powered by the Oklahoman. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with columnist Jenny Carlson and Barry Trammell after the Cotton Bowl on Wednesday night where Oklahoma just blows the doors off of number 7, Florida, 55-20. Uh, to 20. Uh, Jenny, let's start with you. There's a, a lot of talk heading into this game about uh, the players that weren't playing for Florida and how that would affect things, and, uh, uh, you know, that, that's impossible to quantify. But at the same time, this uh, performance from OU sort of transcends just what was missing on the other side.
1: Yeah, you know, obviously Oklahoma comes out and offensively looks really good early, you know, and the guys that weren't, um, that weren't playing for Florida, it was predominantly an offensive um, effect uh receivers primarily some other guys obviously too but um you know the defense was I was you know a lot of the same guys that they went into the SEC championship game with and offense was effective early late ran for a ton of yards threw it when they wanted to throw it and uh you know I think that there was there had to have been some effect on uh, you can't lose your four best pass catchers and you know, not have some effect on offense. But at the same time, I mean, Kyle Trask threw a couple of those interceptions right to the Sooners. So, I mean, I don't know, even if they had some of their best um, out there trying to catch it, if they could have um, affected that. It looked like he just was not – he did not play well tonight. And, and that may well have been part uh, of Oklahoma's doing. I thought their defensive front um, definitely, you know, did some things. Um, as they have been doing, so you know it—it it had to have had some effect. But you know, fifty-five twenty was almost the worst uh, bowl loss by an SEC team in conference history. Oklahoma scored more points than they've ever scored in a bowl game in the history of the program. I mean, those sorts of things—that's not—that's not just about some guys missing. I mean, I think that that there there was other other stuff at play there tonight.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you look at 684 total yards, 435 yards on the ground, the most uh, for the Sooners in a game since uh, uh, a game that you were at and remember well, the Samaj P. Ryan game uh, for them. I think OU uh, went over a little over 500 in that game, but uh, it, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, uh, just a, a fantastic performance from him, which we've. Uh, gotten used to for sure but uh, this was another level 18 carries 186 yards averaged 10.3 yards per carry but Barry it wasn't just Stevenson who was able to run the ball effectively against the Gators
2: Well, you know uh, Marcus Major looked really good he had a he had an excellent game nine carries 110 yards he looked much faster than we've ever seen him or that I've ever seen him. You know, if you look fast against Missouri State, that's one thing, but if you look fast against Florida, you know, maybe you got more speed than I thought you did. And then Seth McGowan had an amazing night. Lincoln, in his infinite wisdom, only uh, let him run one time. He went 73 yards, Uh, but he did throw him three passes. He caught them all and uh, turned them into 70 yards, including a 47-yarder. So he had, a, you know, he had two home run plays. It was just a huge night for the Oklahoma tailbacks. And, um, you know, the only disappointment is with a minute left, uh, Hudson, the, uh, Todd Hudson, the, the uh, walk-on tailback, he, he breaks an eight-yard gain, and Oklahoma got up to 439 rushing yards. That's the OU bowl record. It was set against Auburn in 1971, the 1971 season. uh, 40 to 22, they beat Auburn in the Sugar Bowl. Lincoln's team tonight had as many rushing yards as the greatest OU wishbone team ever did in a bowl game. Now, Tanner Schaefer took two knees on the last plays of the game and, and brought them four yards below 439. But that's an incredible number. Alabama rushed for 187 in that shootout uh, two weeks ago with Florida. So I actually didn't see that coming. I thought, you know, oh, they'll be able to run some, but I didn't see 435 yards rushing.
0: Yeah, I don't think anybody did. for, for yeah. sure. Sorry, Jenny.
1: No, I was going to say, you know, it, it, I sort of was thinking as the rushing yards piled up tonight, I felt like I was in reverse land yesterday watching Oklahoma State after – all the rushing yards that Miami had given up against North Carolina. I thought they were going to run wild. Instead, they came out throwing the ball. You know, what was it, 15 out of the first 16, buried that they threw? And, um, you know, they they really put it up. And, and then tonight you have a, a game where you think, well, they're just going to throw the ball because Florida will be physical up front. Now, opposite, opposite land. So, um, yeah, it, that was, um, you know, and – I know Dan Mullen, the Florida coach, has said some things in his post game tonight that are gonna. It's gonna rankle people talking about, you know, our scout team got some good reps. Well, you know, Dan, I think your starters were out there on defense most of the game, and they gave up. They gave up the lion's share of those yards. They got. They got. They got handled up front. They got out physical. And the SEC that does not happen very often. So, um, I think that's. Uh, I think that goes without saying that that was. Um, That was an SEC-type performance against an SEC team that Oklahoma's offense put out there tonight.
0: Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, uh, uh, people are going to be upset about what Dan Mullen had to say, and I did think it was sort of ridiculous uh, to say that, Uh, even because, I mean, you know how how that's going to be perceived. And not only by OU fans, but nationally, it's just uh, it's sort of the way this this thing goes. But uh, Barry, what you wrote about the other day, which is the, it just means less, uh, talk about the bowl games, was this whole thing, everything that's happened in the last uh, two weeks, especially as it relates to Florida, an indictment of the current bowl system and is there a way to fix it? Although it sounds like uh, Bowls next year could pay some of these players uh, to, to actually play in the game, which would be a, a big difference. I mean, you, can you imagine if uh, the Cotton Bowl could have cut Kyle Pitts, uh, you know, whatever $25,000 check uh, to have him come out and, and play in this one against the Sooners?
2: Yeah, you know, I uh, I think the one of the ways to fix it is expand the playoffs. Um, I don't know paying players if you got an NF these guys are not playing. And the reason they're not playing is because they want to protect their NFL futures. Well, you know, if somebody's gonna pay you ten thousand dollars, come and play. You know, they're they're not gonna pay ten thousand dollars to Trey Brown, I don't think. And if you're if you're a big time, you know, Grimes or one of those receivers, why would you take ten if if it's a risk, why would you take ten thousand? I mean, that, to me, I don't know that that's going to solve anything. Um, so I don't, I don't know any other way to fix it except make more games meaningful and that, that's put them in the playoff. I actually think the bowls are on life support. I think this is the beginning of the end of, of most bowl games. Uh, this is going to be getting. It's, this is going to get worse, not better, in terms of players dropping out. My only problem with what Dan Mullen said tonight. Is you know I'm not necessarily disagreeing with him. Uh, just say it before kickoff. Don't tell me you know the day before the kickoff, "Well, this is a great game and beautiful tradition, and our guys want to play." And then when you get beat 55 to 20, say, "Ah, we didn't really want to play." You know, they can't have it both ways. I don't care which one. You, I don't. I don't care which way you go. But it's the same before the game as the same after. So just decide.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, heck, I I thought about Barry when you were saying that the the folks who get mad at us about our picks and email us after we're wrong instead of uh, uh, preemptively before that, it, you know, it doesn't matter what you say afterwards when you've got the benefit of hindsight when you've got the benefit of fifty five to twenty, um, it, it, it's what you say going in. And it'll be interesting to see how this thing evolves. And do we get to a point where we see players opting out of playoff games, where it's not just uh, the bowls, the you know the lesser bowls, the non-playoff bowls, but uh, it makes its way up to, to players opting out of semifinals.
1: I mean, I guess it could happen. I think that's a lot less likely because everything is so geared towards the playoff and how much that means for everybody. I mean, having a playoff, having, having four teams, eight is I've all, I've always said eight was the way to go because, and this was even before we had the power five and all of that. But, um, you know, back when it was the BCS, you know, it was, basically very small handful of teams that by the time they got halfway through the season had a chance of even sniffing the playoffs. And that number just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller the farther you went in the regular season. Having the playoff makes more teams, as Barry said before, more teams um, that their regular season matters. And if you made it so that every Power Five conference champ was uh, got a bid then those conference championship games would be just huge. Um, and, you know, I, again, I don't know if if you can say for, for certain that you wouldn't see guys opting out of playoff games, but, um, you know, that's what everybody's so pointed towards that, you know, if you're going to do that, um, you know, just – opt out halfway through or opt out, you know, what, I mean, just arbitrarily pick a, pick an opt out point. And some guys get, that get hurt, they are doing that. They are stepping away and just saying, I need to rehab and get better. But if it's just about a healthy person walking away, it, I mean, again, never say never, but it seems like that would be fairly unlikely. Um, it, that scenario happening at some point.
2: At some point there's going to be a drawback in the NFL's eyes, at guys who opt out. I don't know that there is now, but at some point, if, if a guy ever dropped out of the playoff, I don't know that there's too many NFL scouts would get real excited about that, because um, they're looking for competitors. And I'm, I'm a little surprised that some of these guys aren't, aren't sort of quizzed about it now. Um, you know, sort of bolted on your team, you know, the vast majority of NFL players go through seasons in which they're 4-9 after 13 games. You know, it's not all the road to the Super Bowl. Not everybody's a teammate of Tom Brady. They're
1: taking so, on paychecks, though, every yeah.
2: week. Well, but my point is, you know, if, if your mentality is, uh, you know, I'm going to watch out for myself, uh, at some point, teams sort of want to know that, and are you all in for the team, or are you? are you just looking out for yourself? So I think there's a fine line there, and I, I think players need to be careful because they could definitely go too far, um, especially, you know, it's one thing if it's Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey, but, you know, if, if every team, you know, what is it? Uh, five. Or so. Let's say there's 30 bowl teams in the power five or something like that, probably. Maybe 35, whatever it is. You know, if, if, if two guys per team opt out, 60-something guys, not all those guys are going to be first, second, third round picks. A lot of them. I mean, is Trey Brown going to be a high draft pick? I didn't I didn't understand that the yeah. Trey Brown opt out. This isn't, he's not deal on Sanders for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. So, Uh, that one puzzled me. I kept thinking he'd be, he would want to be like Ronnie Perkins has kept talking about. I want to get on tape. I want to get on tape. Every chance Trey Brown gets to go play football. He ought to take it because it's not like he's filled up. He's had some big plays, but he's not, he's not any kind of sure shot NFL player. So that one surprised me. It really did. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. Go ahead, Jenny.
1: No, I I, I think that's a good point. And, I think right now as it relates to non-playoff bowl games, I think the NFL sees what these are. Yeah, they count towards a team's record, but in reality, it's like a postseason exhibition game. I mean, it's not it's not leading anywhere. Um, you know, you're it, it 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 only matters because someone somewhere along the line decided that bowl games were this great thing. Well, they're great for the conferences who get the TV money, they're great for the cities that have, you know, in non-COVID years have fans in and teams in and all of that. But, you know, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't win the Cotton Bowl and suddenly get yourself back into the playoff hunt. So, um, you know, I think NFL teams understand what the bowl games are uh, at this point. And I I agree, Barry, I think there could be a negative effect for playoff opt-outs. But, again i just it feels like everybody is so pointed that way it would just be such a counterintuitive thing for a guy to step away from a playoff game
0: yeah and i i don't anticipate it happening anytime soon but uh you know certainly the way that this thing is played out is i don't think what anybody anticipated uh here a few years ago you know before christian mccaffrey started doing it and uh, uh it, you know the whole thing uh, really started snowballing from there wanted to go back and and talk about this ou defense Barry. uh the interceptions obviously stand out for, from norwood and osimo and woody washington there early and i know the numbers they wound up giving up a you know a good amount of yards at 521 but i i thought that the way that they sort of controlled this thing uh after that, uh, the, you know, 13-point outburst by Florida there, and even during that because they, they held him to a couple field goals there after the offense put them in, in bad positions. But, uh, but what does tonight's defensive performance uh, say about what this defense looks like moving forward?
2: Well, number one, I love the interceptions. Remember at some point it was it la- middle of last season – Every week we'd ask Alex Grinch, why can't you get a takeaway? Why can't you get a takeaway? And the next week we'd say, why can't you get a takeaway? Why can't you get a takeaway? And now, of course, they're getting them in bunches, historic levels. Tonight, first three drives, let's see. i looked look it up. They intercepted Kyle Trask's second pass, his fifth three. pass, and his 11th pass, I think.
1: No, three of his first 10.
2: 10. So um, – so – you know, they were just confusing him, getting him in bunches. And to me, that's a great sign. The other one is this. Uh, the defense did get gashed at times tonight. You don't give up 521 yards playing great defense. But when it got tight, Florida cut it to 17-13, and you thought, here we go. This is a ball game. For the rest of the game, Florida did nothing on offense. Nothing. And – and at the end of the game, they got an 89-yard touchdown drive against the Scrubs. But when it got tight, OU bowed up in six straight possessions, turned back Florida, a fourth down stop, uh, held them uh, to uh, uh, the one decent drive. They had that 58-yard field goal attempt, just shy, a bunch of punts. So, to me, they, they started spectacularly you know, sort of scuffled a little bit and then got serious and said, here we go. Uh, we're going to put this game away. And they did. And they did.
0: Yeah, I think And the big thing was, uh, Barry, you sort of alluded to there, even when Florida was able to to have success and move the ball downfield, they had to uh, sort of grind it out and, and work for it. And what that does is is not only, you know, certainly doesn't keep their numbers down overall, but every play is another opportunity for, for them to you know turn things around and get a stop, get a turnover and things like that. I mean, you look at Woody Washington's interception, which came at the end of a, a really long uh, drive there. It had been, what, a 10-play, t- 82-yard drive that ends with uh, Washington's interception in the end zone there, uh, what, 11 minutes into the game. So uh, it, it's certainly a different look defensively from what we've seen in quite a while from the Sooners, they had, uh, gosh, what was it here? These last, uh, uh, six games, Oklahoma had 14 turnovers. Is that right? Yeah. 14 turnovers in the last six games. Um, and only one of those was a fumble recovery. So 13 interceptions in six games is uh, pretty incredible.
1: Yeah. And considering in 2018, 2019, they had, seven total interceptions each of those two seasons to have had 13 and this you know sort of ending burst I mean it's a it's an unbelievable number I mean they they really have turned that around and um you know really about the only thing that I didn't exactly love defensively tonight was that um that long drive that ended in Florida's first touchdown that cut it to seventeen ten. That was an extremely long drive, and and there was even late uh, they got Florida got down there in the red zone, and Lincoln took a timeout because I think they were just gassed. I mean that they, um, defensively they'd just been out there a ton. Um, started out with Trask leading the way, and then uh, second team guy came in, and uh, you know more of a run game. I think, and I think that maybe took some adjusting to because they weren't they weren't really. I mean, the Trask offense is different than what we saw um, with those with those younger quarterbacks in there. So I think that took some adjusting by the Oklahoma defense, and it's probably why that that drive worked for Florida. But the the play discrepancy in the first half was pretty wildly in Florida's favor, which wasn't great. Um, that can be kind of a that can be kind of a worrisome thing, even when you're ahead. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought that, um, with the exception of that, you know, and even after that, I thought Oklahoma's defense found its footing and, and kind of got things under control as it related to, um, what Florida was able to do with more of that quarterback run game. But, um, yeah, I mean, just, uh, a, a, a really solid performance, I thought all the way around. And yeah, those, I, what I said earlier, I mean, Kyle Trask was, you know he yes he wasn't thrown to his normal guys but he you know just the shocking uh you know turn of events there at the beginning i did i was uh, on the uh, on numbers duty tonight for us and uh regular season he threw an interception once every 81.8 attempts those first those interceptions early it was one every 3.3 so, just an unbelievable turn of events for uh, what the Oklahoma defense was able to do early against him.
0: Yeah, I mean they they just uh, they controlled things from the start, and uh, like like Barry said, sort of took that control there after it got tied and, and really never uh, didn't give up much anything there until uh, the very end. Uh, Jenny wanted to to ask you about Trey Norwood, though the the interception numbers that we've seen from him, uh, that, what is it five in the last six games? I think uh, for for Trey Norwood, when he became a much bigger part of this defense, it seems like that's when the Sooners took a big step forward defensively. Obviously, that was right around the time when Ronnie Perkins came back. That made a big difference as well, but. Uh, Trey Norwood, especially these last two games, is he's played mostly nickel in that spot that uh, Brennan Radley Hiles played in. Although Radley Hiles played in uh, a pretty fair amount of uh, snaps tonight as well, but um, it, I mean, it's just uh, it's pretty incredible the leap that he's taken and how much better he's made the back end of this defense.
1: Yeah, and, you know, that was – his emergence came at a time when they started to plug in some of these younger guys, the Woody Washington types that, you know, we hadn't necessarily seen a ton of in the early going around the Texas game and after, you know, you started to see some of those young, inexperienced guys getting more time. So for him to have emerged and played so well, you know, at a time that they were increasingly using more – uh, more bodies in the defensive backfield, younger and experienced guys for the most part. You know, for for those two things to coincide, I mean, that's a pretty—that's not an insignificant thing. It'd be one thing if he started to hit the accelerator and it was veteran guys or guys that you know were it was all starting to click and and he was part of that. But you know, he was also helping those guys out a lot. So I think that says a lot about just you know what he was able to do um you know trey brown loved to talk about trey brown because of the 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 big plays in the big 12 championship game but you can't you can't uh, overlook i mean norwood had one of those interceptions in the big 12 game as well so um yeah really um really pretty impressive when you look at not only his individual body of work but how he fits into that that group more at large
0: Uh, sorry, were you gonna say something,
2: Barry? No, no, no. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, yeah. I, I will say this: despite all this talk about opt-outs, despite all this talk from Dan Mullen, whatever the case is, it was still a great win for the Sooners. I'm not really interested in somebody talking to me about it. Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma. Really doesn't matter when, in most years these teams play two or three exhibition games in September uh, that are automatic victories and nobody talks about how they don't mean anything. So if, you know, if we, if you can't put a team out there that's competitive and wants to play, tell me why you're making $6 million a year. I think that's a very interesting topic of discussion. So, um, you know, to me, uh, we're keeping score in these games and I think this game mattered and, uh, I applaud Lincoln the way he he approached it, and um, that's the way people do it. You know, Kennedy Brooks is gone. Trey sermon has gone. Ramondre Stevenson was gone early in the year. You keep playing. That's just that's just the way it is. So, um, not I'm not much into excuse making, but, uh, I think this is a great win for the Sooners.
0: Yeah, let's uh, start looking forward, though, a little bit, Barry. What players do you expect not to come back on this team? Uh, obviously, everybody has the opportunity to uh, to come back based on the NCAA rules. Who do you anticipate making that jump to the NFL?
2: Well, I'm always pessimistic that anybody's returning because most guys go. Um, Everybody seems to think there's a chance Creed Humphrey's going to come back. I tend to think he won't, but maybe I'll be wrong. Um, I think Ramondre Stevenson will go. I think I certainly didn't... after tonight, it's going to be hard to... And he, looked, he looked like a pro after. Um, I tend to think Ronnie Perkins is going. Um, beyond that, um, you know, uh, I don't know. I think, I think most guys. Uh, beyond that, I think the transfer is more of a potential uh, exit than than uh, declaring for the NFL draft.
0: Yeah, I uh, completely agree with you there. It'll you know be interesting to see who all enters the the transfer portal. Um, you know, there's a couple guys who uh, you you've got to think are thinking long and hard about it. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what a guy like Eric Swinson does. Eric Swinson, who started uh, most of this year, but uh, you know, they've got some young guys behind him uh, that they're really really high on, and, and maybe he's a guy who uh, isn't in the starting lineup next year if he hangs around. So maybe he wants to go play somewhere else. This guy like you know, Chandler Morris with. Not only Spencer Rattler on the, in the, the, the roster, who's going to be starting for a while, but Caleb Williams coming up behind him. You know, what does he think uh, about staying? So those are going to be some things to watch in the next few days. But I would be really surprised, especially given what happened tonight, if uh, Creed Humphrey, Ramondre Stevenson, or Ronnie Perkins decides to return, I think they're still going to be in really good shape on the defensive line, especially when you look at Jalen Redman coming back and, and adding him into that mix and, and some of the guys that they had signed. But um, Ramondre Stevenson might be the, I don't know, if I'm going to say the biggest loss out of that group, but uh, certainly running back is something you get a little bit concerned about, even if Kennedy Brooks comes back. If they don't have Ramondre Stevenson on this roster next year, uh, the uh, depth there gets really thin. Although uh, Marcus Major and uh, Seth McGowan tonight certainly made a case uh, that they can take big steps forward next year.
1: It always seems like they've got running backs just, as Barry says, falling out of the trees. I mean, I, I, I know yeah,
0: I, I, I... I think – sorry, Jenny. The, the, the thing that concerns you a little bit is just the fact that they didn't – they haven't signed one yet, at least, uh, in this most recent uh, class. Yeah. And miss, missing out on Kamar Wheaton, I think certainly all that gets magnified. But uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, to your point, they, they certainly always look like they have uh, good running backs. I mean, heck, you think Mikey Henderson is a guy who could slide over and play yeah. that role if he needed to as well.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and maybe they maybe the the transfer portal is their friend when it comes to running back. If they if, if Stevenson goes, and I have to, I my guess is that he is is going to go ahead and go. Um, I think he showed the ability to do a lot of things this year. I mean, not only run well, uh, that you know he has the vision, the patience, the strength, the speed. I mean, all the stuff you want in a running back, but. Catches it well out of the backfield. Seems to block fairly well. Um, has the has the build that a lot of NFL teams, I would think, are going to be fairly excited uh, about him that way. So, to me, um, I mean, I would think Perkins is also leaving, and to me, that's a that's a big loss because you saw how much that transformed the defense. Um, just how he infused them in a way that. I mean, yes, yeah, Stevenson was, was big, but I just felt like Perkins. It was a transformation. Um, what he, it, what he, not only what he could do, but what he allowed other guys to do. How the pressure he he took from the offense, and then when you saw, you know, Isaiah Thomas only has one guy to beat. He beat him a lot of times, or Perry on Winfrey. I mean, he beat him a lot of times. So, I mean, those those sorts of things make you think, man. And like you said, Jalen Redmond coming back, I think that would be a huge, uh, huge benefit to that defensive line. But Perkins, man, he he came out like he'd been shot out of a cannon after he got back from his suspension, and that was really a huge, that was really a huge moment, I think, for this team. Um, so I don't, I I don't see him coming back, um, but I think that's going to be. You know, much like it was hard to replace Neville Gallimore up there, Kenneth Murray up there, I think it's going to be hard to replace Ronnie Perkins on the on the defensive line.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And, and Jenny, I was actually going to bring him up before you mentioned his name, but, you know, one of the guys we didn't bring up when we're talking about that NFL leap is Perrion Winfrey. And yeah. I would think right now he's one of the guys who could make the leap uh, that might – Uh, come back and I I think he's a guy who could really really benefit from another year I wrote about this uh, last week but just the difference in you know always being in the backfield and almost making a lot of plays and and forcing quarterbacks to make quick throws versus you know what we saw saw from Ronnie Perkins which was getting to the quarterback repeatedly we saw a, a big leap this year from Nick Benito and and uh, Isaiah Thomas, obviously, guys like that. I think Perry on Winfrey's a guy who was really good at the end of the season, but he could be a, a guy who elevates himself into, you know, whether it's the first round or, uh, or whatever. Um, he's got a chance to be a, a really special player, and I, I think he's a guy who could benefit from at least one more year at this level.
1: Yeah, he only, uh, and and sort of as you alluded to, and and I think that story you're talking about, you know, he he only has one tackle tonight, which I have zero doubt that there were many more plays that he was involved with if if you go look at that tape, which I got to admit, guys, I had a, a realization watching the game tonight. The last time OU played an SEC team, I had a really hard time paying attention in the second half because it was a blowout. I found myself having a really <laughs> hard time paying attention tonight because it was a blowout. It was just a whole different thing tonight. So crazy how things can change in a year. But uh, yeah, if you if you went back and really watched uh, Winfrey, I'm sure he had you know probably six, eight, ten, maybe more plays where you'd say, "Whoa, that was yeah, that was impressive." But yeah, it, it, if he starts to um, turn almost into, "I got him." You can see some big numbers out of him next year.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So so he's going to be a guy to watch. I think, uh, you know, it's not going to surprise me if we start seeing these announcements, heck, it it might even start happening uh, by the time Barry and I make the, you know, five-minute drive from AT&T Stadium back to our hotel tonight. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. But uh, certainly uh, a big-time effort from the Sooners tonight beating Florida. Uh, 55-20, to I know Lincoln Riley talked about the momentum, or, well, not Lincoln Riley as much. He liked to downplay that. But the players, uh, a lot of them talked about the momentum that a win like this brings uh, to next year. But either way, uh, this game, I thought tonight, showed a lot of why a lot of people uh, thought that, you know, 2021 is the year that the Sooners really have a chance to break through and make some stuff happen so we'll see who they have coming back uh, and how all those pieces fit together but uh this puts a a wrap on the 2020 season we're going to wrap it up there on the Sooners Extra podcast thank you so much for listening uh not only tonight but throughout the year and we'll hopefully be back for another one of these things uh before too long and not wait till next September uh to get going thanks so much for joining us again thanks to Barry and Jenny. You can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere.